This is Tommy Saudor's episode 19, and it is a special edition of the podcast. Uh, special in the sense that the podcast usually is published every two weeks. And this episode uh, drops just right week after we published previous episode. Um, so you can think of it as uh, we switching for three weeks for every week schedule for publishing podcasts. And the reason for that, and the reason that it's a special edition of the of the podcast, is that we are very close to the 1st of September. And as some of you might know, on the 1st of September, deer season opens in Ireland. So a lot of you hunters out there uh, certainly hoping to kill a deer this season. Certainly I do. And so I thought that it's a no better time to publish special deer season opener edition of the podcast with uh, my guest, Damien Hannigan, uh, from Irish Deer Commission. So Irish Deer Commission is a relatively new organization that I think does absolutely fantastic job uh, related to deer conservation and um, in general management of deer, the welfare of a deer. And this, orga this organization uh, is is really close to my heart because what they're doing is what I'm, what I'm saying... Uh, for a long time, and even on the on, on this podcast in the, in the Tommy's Outdoors blog, that all stakeholders and all users and all uh, people who are you know, involved in the area and management of the wildlife should come to the table and talk together and, and come up with the plans for management and conservation together. And this is exactly what Irish Deer Commission is trying to do. One other thing is that um, there is an event called Root Walk on uh, this on Sunday, the 14th of October, uh, in Killarney National Park. It is hosted by National Parks and Wildlife Service. It is free of charge and open to non-members, uh, but the places are limited. So to ensure that you have your place in that wonderful event, email info at irishdeercommission.ie and, uh, and book your place in uh, Route Walk on Sunday, 14th of October in Killarney National Park. And now, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Damien Hannigan. With me today, Damien Hennigan. You are Public Relations Officer in Irish Deer Commission. Damien, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. Uh, delighted to meet you and speak to you. That's, that's a pleasure. That's a pleasure. So uh, this is going to be kind of special edition of the episode because usually um, what we're doing is uh, the episode drops every two weeks. But I think this one will drop next week and it's going to bypass some of the people who are already queued up. But there's a good reason for that. First of September is approaching mm -hmm. and the deer season will be open. So uh, we can treat that episode as a deer, deer season opener special mm -hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> and I think, you know, who with, with the better guest than uh, uh, officer from Irish Deer Commission. So as far as I understand, Irish Deer Commission is kind of new organization. So maybe let's just lay out the, 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 the scene. 
Can you tell us what is Irish Deer Commission and what is your role as a public relations officer in, in Irish Deer Commission? Yes, the uh, Irish Deer Commission um, is, is a new organisation. It's a new national uh, voluntary association um, founded by 15 individuals who are passionate, I suppose, about deer in, in every aspect in terms of our conservation, uh, hunting, mm-hmm. um, and most importantly in terms of promoting what is best practice in terms of deer and deer management yeah. um, in terms of the conservation. So uh, so very much a, a member organization. It represents the views and interests of its members. Um, and I suppose it holds a busy um, a series of events for its members mm-hmm. and it campaigns and promotes in terms of various aspects in terms of deer uh, from wildlife crime or deer poaching mm-hmm. uh, to deer management um, or, for example, our native red deer in County Kerry mm-hmm. um, in terms of their conservation. So uh, so very much, um, uh, I suppose, they would be the main uh, objectives of the association. Mm-hmm. Um, in total, they have 15 aims and objectives, um, but but the, the, they, they're, they're the core issues as such. Um, in terms of my own role, um, I suppose I've been involved in deer and deer management myself uh, most mm-hmm. of my life. Um, okay. I've uh, qualified as a deer manager mm-hmm. uh, under Elantra in the UK um, and I'm, I'm an avid, I suppose, deer hunter, a deer mm-hmm. conservationist, because I think mm-hmm. most hunters are also conservationists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you speak to most hunters, they, they, yeah. they, they, you, people find that they're very much uh, focused in terms of the conservation of deer as well. Uh, but my own role has been has been a busy one since since mm-hmm. the Irish Deer Commission was formed in the sense that we uh, talk to a lot of good people like yourself um, you. in terms of um, uh, various interviews and uh, publicizing, the, the, I suppose, the business of the association and its aims mm-hmm. and objectives. Yeah. So there are many, uh, well, maybe not many, but quite a few um, deer organizations. Okay. And I share a, a little story. Um, you know, I had a, a time in my life when I was just mad about shark fishing, mm. right? And probably listeners of that podcast heard that story already 25 times, mm-hmm. so I'm going to skip that. Uh, needless to say, I was like, a, for, for two, three years, I was all the time at sea shark fishing. And the, one of the first thing I've done, I bought the book. The book was, uh, I believe, by Richard Perry's called uh, Sharks in UK Waters. Mm. And I read the book, um, and at the end of the book, they, they said like, "Oh, and there is an organization called Shark Trust, right?" And then take, and that didn't take me long. He's like, "Oh yeah, this is this is the one because, you know, from the very beginning when I when I first cast the hook into the into the river, my first thought was like, okay, but how am I going to ensure that these fish, you know, will be there year later and ten yeah. years later? So so like you mentioned, conservation was always part of that." To me, at least in my mind, it was very natural. So Shark Trust, I was I was member of Shark Trust become the next day, and you know, it's like a 10 years now when I'm a member of a Shark Trust. And then there's another organization in Ireland, uh Irish uh, Wildlife Trust. Um and and I I have on the podcast a Padraig Fogarty from Irish Wildlife mm. Trust. And we spoke about, you know, various issues. That's a very interesting episode. And I think it's gonna be uh online published just after hours um but the little bit feedback i gave it to him was like i was aware of the irish wildlife trust all the time but somehow i never you know i never become a member i am a member since Mm. after talking to him but it, it was like something was missing and when it comes to deer we have uh Irish Deer Management Forum, we have Deer Alliance, we have Wild Deer Association of Ireland, and 
similarly, I, I kind of looked at the websites, look at everywhere, and it's like, um, and somehow when I learned about the Irish Deer Commission, it was something that says like, yes, that's the one. So mm. I became a member of Irish mm. Deer Commission. And so, so I have my reasons behind that, but I would like to hear from you, like, what do you think, what distinguished Irish Deer Commission from other organizations that you can you know, go out there and become a member and they're like the Irish, Irish Deer Alliance and so on? Yeah. I don't think there's any, first of all, I don't think there's any difference in the sense of organizations, in the sense of every organization has its own aims and objectives. And I think the more organizations that we have representing deer hunters, deer conservation, deer management, best practice, the better. Um, so I would say from the Irish Deer Commission's point of view is that we just have our own set of aims and objectives. We don't necessarily look at any other organization to sort of mm -hmm. say, can we do something better than them or okay. do something different? So there's no competition going there's, on. There's no, I, I would say it's, 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 a, it's a close-knit community. We've, we've approximately 5,200 licensed deer hunters in Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's a fairly slow, close community between those uh, individuals and there's mm -hmm. a crossover. Um, so I would say within organizations, obviously some organizations have more of a focus on conservation mm -hmm. um, and some organizations have a focus very much more, say, in terms of the hunting side of things. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, it's not, where I would say in terms of if, if you were to look at our website, irishdeercommission.ie, you'll see is that we're a kind of a one-stop shop in terms of all things deer. Yeah. Um, from the conservation, from best practice. So within our website, we have a section in terms of best practice guides, uh, mm -hmm. which were compiled by the Irish Deer Management Forum. Mm -hmm. um, and the um, in that, you know, you have um, information that's suitable for for hunters, suitable for foresters, suitable for farmers. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, it's there to, because everybody that I just mentioned there have their own issues in terms of deer, um, mm -hmm. or their own perceptions. Um, mm -hmm. And it's one of the things we see in Ireland is that the knowledge gap that's there uh, mm -hmm. in all sectors, not, not just in any one particular sector, but the knowledge gap in terms of uh, farming, forestry, hunters, mm -hmm. uh, there is a knowledge gap there. And sometimes that gap is filled by maybe what they read in the media or, yeah. or what they read on social media rather than actually what is fact about, about deer yeah. uh, and their management. And do you see like a part of your role, kind of this education of the wider public, about uh, deer, deer management and the issues related? Very much so, very much so. And, um, you know, I, th I think the topic of uh, deer has become a very emotive issue uh, mm. in recent times. Yeah. Uh, in particular, in County Kerry and mm -hmm. County Wicklow come to mind. Yes. Uh, where, you know, on one side we have farmers um, who have probably are, are experiencing one of the worst fodder crises in, in, in history. Mm -hmm. um, and the site of deer eating their grass mm -hmm. uh, is understandably not to be welcomed <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it's emotive. Um, on the other side, then we have a, uh, a protected species because deer are obviously protected under the wildlife acts. Mm -hmm. um, we have our largest land mammal, an mm -hmm. iconic animal. Um, mm -hmm. And if you take, for example, in County Kerry, yeah. um, a significant importance in terms of, the, you know, a very large tourism industry in yeah. County Kerry. Because yeah. I think if you were to talk to any hotelier in, in County Kerry, for example, they will tell you a lot of people come from around the world uh, to see uh, the, the Red Deer, for example, in Killarney National Park. Mm -hmm. um, it's a huge tourism draw. So, so deer, so it's a very emotive subject. And I suppose in between those two, um, uh, that tug of war in terms of mm. landowners on one side and conservationists on the other side. Um, in the middle, you have deer um, and, you, you know, are, are, are caught up in that. And I suppose you have hunters as well, mm -hmm. because hunters, 
you know, the Linton Breadth of Ireland working partnership with local landowners and farmers mm-hmm. in supporting them in terms of um, managing deer at a sustainable level. Because as we know, deer without a natural enemy, uh, it does fall on man to manage their numbers. Yes. Um, uh, so it, it is important that uh, we support landowners in terms of that have genuine deer problems. Mm-hmm. Um, probably part of the challenge sometimes is is to educate landowners in terms of what is a sustainable uh, population of deer in an mm-hmm. area. Uh, yeah. To some landowners, one deer may be perceived as unsustainable. Yeah, one uh, is one too many. Is one too many? Yeah, yeah. that that's I wouldn't say that's the norm. To be fair, mm-hmm. the, the majority of landowners that I come across are happy to see deer on the land. Yeah. Obviously, if they're looking to their field and to see 30 deer, uh, they, they, that's a different story, understandably. Yeah. So uh, so it is an emotive subject um, and has become very much emotive. Um, you need to look at some of the media coverage in, in the last, say, 12 to 24 months. Oh, in, in, in general, hunting is, is, is struggling with the public perception and with the acceptance, right? So it, it, this, is, this is also uh, something I'm touching on the, on the podcast quite often, mm-hmm. uh, kind of educate people about role of hunting and, and what that is yeah. right so yeah this is this is also probably something that yeah. you're, you're you know and you're you're working on yeah what, what i find is it's it's a good point um in in the sense of what i find with deer management or the culling of deer um is that while you know that certain types of hunting can be very emotive in the public's view and it's mm-hmm. not to suggest that um people that are non-hunters say it's a positive thing to to, to call deer mm-hmm. but i think most people understand that deer have to be managed it's my own mm-hmm. experience is that um while the thought or the view of deer being called or managed mm-hmm. might you know uh, you know appeal to, to everybody i think most people understand at this stage that deer need to be managed and need to be mm-hmm. need to be called and that part of that is calling um people often say to me you know can we not um, you know, dart them and in you know make them infertile, or can we transfer them to somewhere yeah. else? You yeah. know, um, but unfortunately, the realities are while they are valid suggestions, is that to to dart mm-hmm. deer um, is one is very expensive and it's hugely risky because when 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 deer are darted, there's a lot, actually a lot of deer don't survive from that. Hmm. Um, and the issue in terms of translocating, then for example, we regularly get feedback where people say, "Can we not transfer the deer from Killarney National Park to?" Mayo or Galway, yeah. uh, but the fact of the matter is, in um, in County Kerry, we know the red deer are un- a unique. Yeah, it's a, sub- it's a subspecies of yes. red deer. Correct, that have existed here over six thousand years. Right, and if we move them to another part of Ireland, there's non-native red deer in those counties, and yeah. they just breed they like in Wicklow, right? Then they hybridizing with Sika. Correct. And that's a that's 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 a difference between red deer in, in Wicklow and red deer in, in Kerry. That's why there are different rules in hunting on, on both. Yeah, I suppose in in, in Wicklow, the I know the most recent um, research done on on hybridization between red deer and sika deer, which is a man-made scenario rather than a something that naturally takes place in the wild. Oh, yeah, sika is native from Japan. Right? Japan, yeah. correct? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if we look at um, in terms of Wicklow is that we're now in a situation where approximately 40% of the deer population is hybrid, mm. Sika red hybrid. Oh, wow. um, we've no red deer left in Wicklow, just Sika deer. Um, so at this stage, they, they've, um, the hybridization has effectively wiped out red deer in, in County Wicklow and we just okay. have Sika and hybrids. But it is a real risk in County Kerry, for example, where you know if hybrids were to get into County Kerry and to start to breed with the native red deer, yeah. um, which is a real risk because hybrids have been observed in the West Cork area 
Um, so it's a real conservation threat to Red Deer and Kerry going forward that if these uh, hybrids get into County Kerry and start breeding, we effectively could wipe out a population mm-hmm. of deer that has existed for over 6,000 years. But the, but the hybridization really started with, with uh, uh, mating between Red Deer and Sika. And Sika are present in Kerry. Correct. Somehow, they, they, so far, they didn't hybridize. Maybe they did, because you're saying about the cork. Uh, but it's, it seems to be like something is that they're not hybridizing that easily, at least as it happened in, in, in Wicklow. Yeah, I, I think with, 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 um, in terms of County Kerry, so there has been research done in terms of has hybridization taken place in County Kerry. Mm-hmm. And we know for a fact that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. It hasn't taken place. And the reason for that is, as I mentioned, hybridization is a man-made scenario. So, you know, a Sika deer... But man-made in a, in, a, in a sense that the two species were put together on a la- one landscape or a man-made scenario in terms like, the you know, the man caused them, you know, kind of interbreed or... Yeah, so, so for example, we know in the case of the hybridization in Wicklow, for example, uh, took place in Powerscourt Estate, where Lord Powerscourt had Sika and Red Deer in the same enclosure. And was known for, known for experimenting with different species. Okay, yeah. that's 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 my point. So, yeah. so man-made scenario, not in the sense that it, that just happened by putting two species on the landscape. It actually was purposely created, created, created. Right. Okay. Right, right. So and, and so so thankfully that hasn't occurred in 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 County Kerry. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, as I mentioned, real threats in terms of coming from West Cork. Yeah. We know on the Limerick border we have non-native red deer, mm-hmm. um, so it's it, it's very much something that we've been calling for in County Kerry is a a coordinated deer management group of all stakeholders, farmers, foresters, hunters, and so on. Um, that and it's not just about culling deer, but it's just about facing the realities of the risks that that that, mm-hmm. that I suppose red deer face in County Kerry. Yeah. Um, and to deal with some of those emotive issues that we hear about. Yeah, there's a very sensible approach that that's based on on evidence and a, and a listen. So you, there's many, really many things that I want to talk about with you. So maybe um, you mentioned about the kind of perception, and I mentioned that perception of the hunting. I think that this is not so much you say like most people recognize the need of managing deer and so on, but I it seems to me like where people have a problem, they have a problem with actually animal dying right mm. it's like i like deer i don't like anything bad happen to deer so that's the one thing and then other thing which hunters kind of are on the wrong wrong side of that equation is like i think it's a problem people have a problem that someone goes out and hunt deer for its leisure right mm. uh, and somehow they don't have a problem with deer being killed by wolves because it's natural, even though this is much more horrific death, arguably, to the deer being pulled apart alive by, by, by wolves. They don't have that much problem with actually someone being paid to go and shoot a deer. But when someone is paying money to shoot a deer, that somehow it's bad, mm. right? And I think this is, this is where sometimes hunters are struggling. Do you think that this is the case? Mm. I would say is that... Um in terms of hunters, I, I suppose there's two aspects that we could look at this. Okay, one is is a traditional deer stalker mm-hmm. um, who is counting down the days to the beginning of first of September, like a child on Christmas morning, waiting for the hunting season to open. <laughs> uh, and I'm one of those children as well. I'm looking forward to the first of September. Um, so the vast majority of hunters feel that way, and they also, when they go out, they have a respect for their quarry. 
if if they do cull an animal and select an animal that's suitable to be culled, um, is that animal has consumed the venison, which is extremely healthy mm-hmm. uh, and tasty meat, um, is consumed by that hunter or family and yeah. friends. So I would think that would be the um, that would be the, the, the overwhelming majority of deer hunters. You, I suppose, increasingly what we've seen in Ireland is 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 a growing industry around the tourism aspect of it. So we have lots mm-hmm. of tourists come in to fish. Mm-hmm. We have lots of tourists yep. come in for clay pigeon shooting. Mm-hmm. Now we have a lot of tourists that come in to go deer stalking. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, deer stalking, you know, as 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 a support sport worldwide. You know, if you go to Scotland, mm-hmm. for example, and talk to people in rural Scotland, massive. It's a huge industry. It's uh, you know it 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 sustains so many jobs, uh, and it's the same here, same here in Ireland. So I think the um, I suppose people often have this perception maybe of Cecil the line story. If we look at that, you oh know, where where yes, where that, an me- that messes thing up. That yeah, Cecil where an animal is, is, is the, the perception is an animal is shot for fun. The reality is, you know, agree or disagree is that. You know, this type of industry gives money back to the um, mm-hmm. uh, the local economy and it creates jobs. Um, and I would say is that very much so from any hunter's point of view is that is regardless, be it be it uh, someone that's uh, coming as a tourist to Ireland to hunt mm-hmm. or someone that's resident in Ireland, I would say, and I mentioned earlier on, hunters are conservationists. Mm-hmm. Hunters have a respect for their species. You know, yeah. the ob- the objective is when an animal is called and the right animal is selected that it's at the center of that is the animal's welfare so that mm-hmm. it's it's culled quickly efficiently and humanely mm-hmm. um, and i think that's the objective of any uh, any hunter that you will speak to yeah yeah no doubt and no doubt and like, like you mentioned the the respect and the respect for the you know the venison of the meat that you you know that i don't know a hunter who would allow their meat to get spoiled yeah versus you know uh people who are uh, you know they openly they're against hunting and they're but then they're going to the to the mall and they're buying you know steak and chicken yeah. and then it <laughs> goes off because they yeah, you know yeah, and yeah. so that's that's and i think look you is that in any sector of society people have various views and they're entitled to their views and i would respect all views in the mm-hmm. sense if someone disagrees with hunting and um, that is their, their their choice and the prerogative and so on but yeah. um that, that's that's life. listen uh, damien i i just want to touch on the hunting and conservation mm. okay um, because we had a chat before we started recording a little bit about conservation and, and, and so on. Um, and obviously, um, through the media, YouTube videos and other media, you know, a lot of information about hunting goes from the United States, mm. right? Obviously, and those celebrity hunters and so on. And this is a very commonly repeated phrase that hunters are conservationists, it's all about conservation and mm. so on and mm. so on. And in the United States, the system is just wonderful with, with I think it was uh, a Peterson Act where, I, I may be, you know, uh, making a mistake here, but there is a part of tax from every uh, firearm and cartridges and every out, outdoors goods that goes towards the conservation. Mm. So by the sheer fact of purchasing a rifle ammunition, people contributing to the conservation and they have this all the system of tags and so on. So there is no doubt. Now... Coming to the Irish reality, uh, like like I said, I started my my adventure with hunting three years ago, and throughout these three years ago, without you know, I spent thousands of euro, right, couple of thousands on euro between the firearm and gun club membership and and ammunition and all these things, and from all this money, 
to deer conservation, I feel like I contributed precisely zero euro. Mm. And the only moment when there was an opportunity to kind of get some of my money towards deer conservation, which is deer license, guess what? Deer license is free, right? So this is an argument that I very much want to make that hunters are conservationists and they're con should, you know, and I know that, like I said, most of the countries care about the animal, care about animal welfare. They want animal on the, on the, on the landscape and so on. But because that contribution is like a monetary contribution is, is in my view, non-existent in Ireland. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time on making that argument that, oh, you know, all the hunters are conservationists and they're actually making good job at, you know, protecting the animal. How do you see how do you see that role hunters as a conservationist mm. conservationist in Ireland? I, sp I suppose we're we're probably talking about two slightly different things in the sense of what you described in terms of America mm -hmm. and the contribution going towards conservation. I suppose that what we're talking about there is, is the financially supporting mm -hmm. the conservation of a species or species in general, yeah. um, as opposed to the conservation work that hunters do in terms of so for example if you take Killarney National Park mm -hmm. um it's widely observed now within areas of Killarney National Park there's clearly too many deer yeah uh, where we've come from a scenario in the in the 1970s where we only had 60 deer left in in, in Killarney National Park mm -hmm. um and the species is under threat so you know, in terms of, um, and you can see that there's parts of Killarney National Park I mean, damaged, not alone just by deer, but by goats, by sheep, mm -hmm. by other herbivores, and sort of causing real damage to the wider ecosystem. Yeah. Um, so I suppose in, in terms of, that's one aspect of it, but I think in terms of on a day-to-day -day basis, hunters within the hunting season from September to February are managing deer in areas to reduce the impact on the wider ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose hunters... And organizations like the Irish Deer Commission are promoting best practice in terms of how deer are managed, but also we're ensuring that deer, uh, that the herd remains at a healthy, sustainable level that's mm -hmm. acceptable to all land users. Mm -hmm. um, because it'd be very much easy for hunters maybe not to speak up and, and we could end up in a scenario where we say deer are completely wiped out, you know, yeah. because they're impacting on agriculture. Um, yeah. So I think that's more the conservation work from hunters as opposed to maybe financially contributing to conservation mm -hmm. um and i would say the demographics in terms of say ireland and most countries in terms mm -hmm. of conservation is very different than my experience so if i speak to people in other countries in europe alone mm -hmm. uh, they would view deer very much as an asset including yes. landowners where in some sectors here not to suggest all but some sectors here would see deer as a, as, a, as vermin yeah. uh, as a pest um so we have a very different view, first of all, in terms of deer, and not before we even get into the topic of conservation. Um, but equally, I would see is that in terms of how we fund conservation here, so if you take the department with responsibility uh, in culture, heritage, and quail talk, uh, in terms of, in my observation would be, it's an extremely under-resourced department. Yeah. Uh, we have lots of fantastic people working there, very talented and skillful people, but a very under-resourced department um, mm -hmm. in terms of deer. Uh, if we even look across, at, you mentioned earlier on about fish, fishing, yeah. you know, inland fisheries, for example, is probably, you know, um, a far greater resources and, 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 and greater um, uh, energy put into in terms of conservation of fish. But in terms of deer, in my experience, would be is that we, we mm -hmm. absolutely don't have a focus in terms of conservation at a, at a, at a government level. 
Right. Um, um, it falls on organizations like the Irish Deer Commission to start promoting conservation or uh, you mentioned the Irish Wildlife Trust earlier on mm-hmm. as well. Um, in terms of pr- promoting or speaking for deer or deer conservation yes. uh, in the media uh, yes. to try and highlight the issues. But uh, really, as I mentioned earlier on, we, we all need to get around the table in terms of hunters, landowners, mm-hmm. conservationists, national parks, and, and start talking uh, about how do we manage and conserve deer. That's that's fantastic. That's fantastic what you're saying because and and probably this is this is what made me to kind of subscribe to the idea of Irish Deer Commission because I'm very much in favor of a dialogue mm. or however many parties are at the table and and actually so okay so so number one what you said if I understand correctly you said that that conservation uh, hunters and contribution to conservation is more from the bigger perspective of the landscape rather than particularly deer and the welfare of deer. So, so I get that. Um, tell me, what's the, what's the conservation status of deer? I mean, the, and the reason I'm asking the question is like that there's a common perception that there's more and more deer. There's more deer than it ever were, right? And this is, so again, coming back to me, you know, if I want to harvest a deer and remove the deer from the environment, I would like to know if I'm not doing something bad okay mm. so i started questioning how many deer is it is, is it any problem with deer and overwhelming response i have oh there's more deer than ever was there's plenty of deer and like i said oh you know shoot them because they're like well, shoot away and um and then when i was talking with Podrick fogarty from from irish wildlife trust he said like well we actually don't have an idea how much how many deer is in ireland um and then uh, when I was uh, last year, when I was coming back from from a hunt, I, I I was you know packing in the car and I met the guy and I, you know we started conversations. Like, Are you shooting here? Are you hunting here? Yes, you know I'm a landowner, and obviously I'm asking a question. Are there you know is it more deer? Is it less deer? And he said like it's less. It's much less deer than it was here, right? I say oh that's that's the alarm mm. alarm right. Um, and then I shared that story with some other guy who is uh, he's a he's a um, also involved in like like yourself in deer stalking and controlling population in Wicklow, and he said like, well, yeah, you know, if your man is saying it's not, it doesn't matter because it, it it talks about the area and when the deer is pressurized, they may respond to the pressure and just move out from the area. It doesn't mean there's less deer and so on. So, so here's a question for you: what's the what's the status of deer? Is it is it plenty? Is it not enough? Is it is it how you know? Is, is hunting sustainable? Because the only conservation measures is is open season, as far as I know. And that open season runs for, for almost six months. Uh, and w- during deer season, you can shoot however many you want. We don't have a system of tags. We don't have a system of anything. Mm. So do you think it's it's too generous? Is it enough? Like how? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, the point in terms of too many, too little... Mm-hmm. Um, it's something we constantly hear, um, and you, you've alluded to your, your interview with Patrick Fogarty, mm-hmm. um, is that, you know, and people have heard me say this before, we do not know in any part of Ireland in terms of trends, in terms of deer either increasing or decreasing. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do know is that, you know, and again, this data is unverified, but national parks produce data annually in terms of what they call hunter cull returns. So mm-hmm. when a hunter is applying for his deer hunting license each year, he makes a cull return stating how many deer he shot, what species mm-hmm. and in what county. But fr- from that data, even though unverified, it does give us and show us a mm-hmm. trend that 
For example, last year we know there was over 37,000 deer culled in Ireland, declared mm-hmm. as culled mm-hmm. um, in Ireland. And that's an increase on the previous year. So we were at a situation where for a number of years, the number of deer in Ireland was being uh, was actually increasing and then it became static for a number of years and we've seen an increase again. Mm-hmm. But that that is mirrored with a significant increase in the number of hunters. Yes. So um, Not deer, hunters. Yes, yeah, so hunters. So, so we've seen a threefold increase in the number of deer hunters in the last 10 years in Ireland, for example. Mm-hmm. Significant increase. And again, last year... There's most hunters per person in Ireland than any other country in the world. I would say the opposite, you know, in the sense of we have 5,200 approximately deer hunters in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look, for example... Uh, I was in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. uh, in America a number of years ago hunting and on the opening day of the hunting just in that state alone yeah. there was over a million hunters yeah but uh, there's much more group so that that's actually that's actually data I, I read it somewhere that Ireland is most hunters per person percentage yeah than in any other country in the world yeah I haven't come across that statistic yeah. it may, 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 yeah. may, may, may be true yeah. what I would say is that um, you know just in terms of um um, you know, so in terms of the, the fact of the matter is we don't know if deer numbers are increasing or decreasing. Mm. Uh, you know, there's some areas where we visually can see um, deer numbers are higher because you can just see the number of deer on the ground. And they are the norm. Mm. So if you're taking County Kerry, for example, obviously within Killarney National Park, which is managed by national parks rather than by hunters, mm-hmm. uh, and which should continue to be the case considering their, their conservation importance, um, you can clearly see too many deer in some areas of Killarney National Park. Right. When you go outside of Killarney National Park and you walk the mountains in Kerry, mm-hmm. um, there's some areas you will struggle to meet any deer. Yeah. Uh, and then what you would increasingly see is that the traditional hunting areas like Quilcha Forestry, mm-hmm. mountains, due to hunting pressure or to illegal hunting mm-hmm. um, or maybe farming pressure or maybe gorse fires, have moved deer out of those areas. And what we're seeing is that during the Celtic Tiger years, if you look around a lot of areas, there was a lot of land planted uh, with forestry on yeah. private farmland. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of this farmland now has come to what they call pre-ticket stage, which is ideal habitat for deer. Because uh, mm-hmm. a deer can just walk in and it virtually disappears. It can't be seen until it comes out to feed. Yeah. But what happens when this forestry gets to this stage is that it effectively, underneath every piece of grass disappears. Yeah. It's it's like a desert and it forces deer onto farmland then to feed. Yes. And that's what we're seeing in certain areas is that where hunters are saying, God, I'm going to my, my traditional hunting area. I'm not seeing many deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the flip side of it, then we're hearing reports from landowners to sort of say, I have an unsustainable level of deer on my yeah. land. Uh, and if you look at the, I suppose, the geography and the demographics of these areas is there's a lot of private forestry that's holding deer in those areas yes. that will not be managed. And we know if deer are not managed, their population can effectively increase by 25% per year yeah. on average. Um, so you can imagine if an area goes unmanaged for, say, four years, you can virtually double your population in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we are seeing is, t- t- the fact of the matter is, what we're seeing is that some areas where deer numbers are quite low um, mm-hmm. and complaints from hunters, and that's across the country, uh, other areas where deer numbers um, and localized areas where deer numbers appear to be high. Um, mm. But again, we don't have a census. There's no count has been done. It's not like farm animals that you can just walk into a field yeah. and start counting. Yeah, uh, it's just the, estimation. Always. Yeah, the nature, the habitat and the terrain that they, they live in, it's it's impossible to count. And so the fact of the matter is we don't know. But again, if you look at international best practice, 
in terms of that it's one of it's the, one of the cornerstones in terms of managing deer is that you know how many deer you have on on yeah. your ground yeah that's so where uh, so for example every year i go to scotland and um the area we're involved in a, in a management call um is that they know how many male female juvenile deer they have on their land and they develop a deer management plan around that um, and obviously at the center of that deer management plan is the welfare of the animal mm-hmm. so that's first and foremost and f- from there then they decide they, they they work out in terms of how many males they need to call how many females they need to call and so on mm-hmm. um, in terms of keeping the herd healthy and yeah. i suppose that the habitat that they live in can sustain their, 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 yeah. their, their numbers as well yeah and we're so far away from anything like that in Ireland, um, mm-hmm. in the sense of uh, having local deer management groups that are all working together. Um, it's not overly run by any one sector. Uh, local hunters, you know, involved uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to having a individual hunter or bringing in someone that's uh, maybe a private uh, yeah. company to do the calling. But it's important that local hunters on the ground are involved in any. Yeah. Um, uh, DM management plan but we're, we're so far away from that as I mentioned in Ireland mm-hmm. in terms of uh, having a handle in terms of the numbers of deer that we'd have but this is kind of like a mission of Irish Deer Commission right to kind of try to implement those 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 sustain those, those management plans that have many stakeholders correct so what are so so how you how you think how you intend to do that how you intend to achieve that yeah I suppose first of all we're looking to work with all stakeholder groups Farmers, foresters, mm-hmm. hunters, and so on. Because um, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, you know, sitting around the table, everybody talking is the way we f- foresee it. So um, I think not, it's not the case that any organization or individual in the morning can sort of say, right, we're going to develop a dimension plan for Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, because every local area has its own unique issues and, and challenges. So it has to be something that has to come from a local uh, group. If, if you if you look at the I mentioned the hunter call returns earlier mm-hmm. um, in terms of thirty seven thousand deer, approximately fourteen thousand of that number were called in County Wicklow, right. um, and if you were to take the counties of Galway, Donegal, uh, Cork, and Tipperary and Wicklow, it accounts for about eighty percent of the national call. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of counties in Ireland where deer are not an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, at a county level there may be individual pockets in within those counties localized areas but overall so it's just a case of of people in those counties that i mentioned coming together uh, and they've already started to do this in in county wicklow mm-hmm. um, of, of forming deer management groups and um, that's not overly um, weighed in terms of one particular stakeholder group mm-hmm. that is a balance and it takes account of every um, uh, everyone's interests and needs um, mm-hmm. My experience is doing that is, is, is a positive thing, but it's also quite emotive. Yes. It is quite emotive. Um, and it's, as I, as I mentioned earlier on, you know, we've been through one of the worst fodder crises in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's impacting farmers' livelihoods um, and, and so on. So it's quite an emotive topic. Um, so we'd very see that much as, as, as the way forward mm-hmm. um, in terms of farming local deer management groups. But equally as well is that through our website, irishdeercommission.ie, we're always trying to promote, as I mentioned, in terms of what best practice is, raising awareness, um, raising mm-hmm. awareness in the media um, in terms of um, the conservation and management of deer. Yeah. We are, uh, Dr. Ruth Carden uh, would be probably Ireland's leading uh, deer academic in terms of um, um, conservation and management. And we're currently working on a piece of work at the moment where 
we're compiling a deer distribution uh, data for the, the entire Ireland of Ireland and islands because we have deer on four islands off, oh. off, off of Ireland as well. Um, and that's looking at saying where, what species and where are they present. Yeah. So it's not going to give us a number, but it's just yeah. going to show what the presence yeah. of deer are in particular areas. And you're working also to try, you, are you trying to establish those local, uh, I suppose, communities or local groups that then can kind of lobby? And, and so is that the idea that you have a group and if on, 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 uh, on any particular area you get all these stakeholders come together, then they can establish some rules on that area? And enforce them. Is that the idea? Correct. Yeah. And if you look, if you look in parts of Europe, for example, in Germany, it's very much managed at a local level, uh, right? Like, like that. Um, and what's the law status? How does it look from from the perspective of the law uh, to establish a group who, for example, you know, I don't know, North Kerry or whatever region, decide, okay, we want deer managed in a you know special way, this way. Yeah. Right. Uh, how how then it goes into legislation, or how how does it get yeah. backing from the law? I, I I think the management of deer, regardless of if it's through a local group or an individual, it has to be deer have to be managed within the law. And mm -hmm. as we know, deer are a protected species under the Wildlife Acts. Mm -hmm. So and there's a specific open season, as we know, from deer yeah. from first of September to twenty eighth of February. Um, so, so any management of deer obviously has to be done within the current legislation and law. So I don't think it would be a scenario where groups are looking to, um, I suppose, change the law or anything okay. like that. Um, okay. No, it, I was just thinking about the scenario when, when uh, you know, all these stakeholders coming in and they said like, well, well, we don't want any hunter to take more than, you know, five deer in a season. Yeah. Right. And then how they can come about enforcing that because then someone comes in and says like, well, I don't care what you said, you know, overall Irish law says that I can take however many I want. Yeah. So, yeah. so my question is like, is there any mechanism where that group then can enforce any specific regulations on the area that they want to manage? Again, if you look at best practice internationally, I mentioned earlier on is that the first thing is you're looking is to see what your population of deer mm. by species, by sex in an area you're from that then you're developing out your deer management plan so mm -hmm. that says that we need to call so many mm -hmm. females so many mm -hmm. males juveniles um and normally what would happen is that if you have an, an inclusive approach where hunters and all stakeholders are involved you know that you're sitting around and you're saying we need to call x number of deer mm -hmm. uh, per year mm -hmm. to keep the herd at a sustainable level um, and that's where your numbers come from there i think if you don't include hunters locally mm -hmm. there's a danger of what you just said there someone mm -hmm. sort of saying okay on over here on one side we have people mm -hmm. developing a plan yeah. and we've actually left the people that are on the ground locally involved in, yeah. in hunting out of that plan yeah. so they're just going to call whatever number they require where i think if everybody's included mm -hmm. and the people that are, are on the ground are included um it's it's it then you have you know everybody yeah. singing from the same hymn sheet yeah yeah Uh, and then potentially uh, down the line that, that they can develop some sort of a you know tag system or whatever, and then if all, all landowners are on the on the board as well, then they can before they give a permission to somebody to shoot on their on their land, say like, well, you can shoot on my land, but actually this is you know the tag or whatever. This is how much yeah. you can take no more. And, and it is something that's been um, uh, my work with the Irish Deer Management Forum, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is a, a government a group formed of, of various stakeholders. Um, it's one of the recommendations that we made to the, the respective ministers was that um, a tagging system would be brought in place. Great. Uh, 
the the issue around the tagging system where is that you know in terms of how many tags do we distribute mm-hmm. uh, and this comes back to the issue i mentioned in terms of mm-hmm. the population of deer so are we giving out too many are we giving out too little yeah um but and i always think someone's going to be not un- unhappy about it yeah so I, but i i think one of the one of the probably objectives of of the tagging system as well is that it allows you to begin to start collecting more detailed data mm-hmm. in terms of uh, animals that are culled and so on. Uh, where at the moment, as I said, there's annual hunter record, cull returns are not verified, but they're the yeah. nearest thing we have to data. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I think that's what, what we are missing is is that um, I know it has been mooted in terms of developing an app that hunters can use. Mm-hmm. For example, when they cull an animal, they can input the details. Yeah. The issue around that sometimes hunters have a fear if mm-hmm. I disclose the location of where I shot that deer, um, uh, someone else is going to know. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. But look, I think at this stage, most people in Ireland know um, you know, your major forestries and mountainous areas and mm-hmm. where deer are and aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that is a concern. But we absolutely need to um, uh, have a better handle in terms of, of, of the numbers. Yeah. So you you're, you're mentioned already the tag system, which I think would be great if, if, we, if we had that. Um, Do you think that the that the license for deer should be, uh, you know, we should pay for that and get the money mm-hmm. that way to fund fund, or do you like the idea that it's free? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one in the sense of I was actually part of an exercise where we surveyed hunters with that mm-hmm. question. Oh, great! Uh, yeah, and, what was uh, it interesting? Yeah, uh, so we asked we, we asked that question, and I don't recall what the percentage was, but what I do recall mm-hmm. uh, is that. Um, The, the majority of hunters were in favor of a fee being charged for a deer hunting license. Really? But, there was a major but included, mm-hmm. uh, once that money was ring-fenced. Of course. Um, in the sense of, from the point of view of either conservation, or particularly the, what emotive topic was in terms of having more conservation rangers mm-hmm. um, in terms of tackling wildlife crime or deer poaching. Yes. Uh, which, which, is, which is a huge topic. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the, the I suppose, the, the caveat that came with the, the yes. Yeah. It wasn't just that it was going to be a deer hunting license fee. Yeah, of course. And into the state coffers, it was a case that that money was specifically ring fenced for. That's that's actually I, I should I should qualify that as well with that. Uh, and I I think that's just fantastic what you just said because mm. uh, to be honest, I thought that the majority would say no. And no, and this is kind of similar, like like yeah. again, like an example in the U.S. when majority of the hunters were were okay with it being taxed, uh, and and I suppose this speaks buckets to the fact that the hunters are conservationists and they they really care about the animal because look, majority of them actually have nothing against paying for a license that is for free now. Just take that money and use it for for. So I I think that's that's a great thing to yeah. say. Listen. Uh, Another controversial topic a little bit was, is, I think at the moment, is a HCAP and the qualification required, mm. or that's supposed to be this year, the qualification. Mm. So, so HCAP is a Hunter's Competence Assessment Program, which is essentially like a course where people are learning about how to assess the population, uh, how to call the deer, basics of the wildlife law, basics of the firearm law, meat handling, deer biology, and you know how to tell species of deer and so on and so on, and range tests to prove their proficiency with a firearm. So uh, that's supposed to be mandatory from this year. There was a big pushback, and as far as I know, it was promised that it will be mandatory from no later than by 2020. Okay, 
what's your take on uh, on the HCAP qualification and do you think that all the people should have it not really how where you stand in that yeah I would say like first of all I think all forms of training for hunters can only be a positive thing mm. um, so I would say my I, I think under the last set of data I saw the majority of hunters have already completed the HCAP and there's also other courses now being offered as well uh, similar courses but I would say in terms of HCAP in you know currently in its current form is designed mm -hmm. as a basic first step for hunters mm -hmm. so it's not designed to make somebody an expert mm -hmm. uh, you know so it's just to, it's just to have the basic level of knowledge in terms of conservation the law mm -hmm. uh, safety and so on so it's an it, it's a good first attempt to promote uh, that activity I'm, I'm aware as i said again um, and again respect everybody's views that there has been some pushback from uh, and, uh, some individuals in terms of having a mandatory certification um, and people that I, some of the feedback I've heard on that has come from different views that say somebody's been hunting all their lives maybe haven't sat exams in mm -hmm. maybe 10 20 30 years and are mm -hmm. concerned to sort of say god yep. you know having to sit an exam yep. um, so first of all I, I think the recommendations around this were not specifically around HCAP I know HCAP has got a lot of tension on it mm -hmm. I think the wording was HCAP are similar yes. so I don't think anybody was promoting to sort of say it should be HCAP only and I think if you talk to Liam Nolan mm -hmm. who's, uh, who's uh, the administrator for, for HCAP um, he will tell you the same thing it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, 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 um, it's HCAP or similar um, but I would say is, it is something that is going to happen if you, if you look again um, a lot of our European neighbours have mandatory certification. Other countries don't. Yeah. Uh, but I would very much see that it is something that is going to come in, and I think it's a it's, it's a positive thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think people have. Um, I think change sometimes brings fear and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. It's a human reaction to things. Mm -hmm. To sort of say, God, this is something we haven't had to do before. Mm -hmm. Now they're bringing this in on us. Or you know, when you when you hear the word mandatory as well. Some people like to keep back from the words <laughs> yeah, uh, mandatory exactly. and say, yeah, Before I'm not they know what that is. Or the, yeah, uh, I'm not going to have someone tell me what to do. But, uh, but yeah, I would say very much uh, a positive thing. You know, yeah. all forms of hunting, I think, is, is, is absolutely. I agree. I agree. And, and I think it's, it's just really, you know, almost crazy to allow people to run around with the firearms without any sort of like even basic level ensuring that they know what they're doing. And, and you know, even on the on the exam when I was like, the range test is, you know, it's fairly easy. You have a, like a four-inch group, hmm. you know, uh, hundred yards prone position, and then so it's it's easy, especially you know if, if someone is shooting, and uh, and a guy who was next to me, you know, he he couldn't group four inch from prone position hundred yards, and and I thought at the time, I don't want this guy around on the same land where I'm stalking because like. If he can, you know, if he can control his his body and what he's doing with the firearm under pressure, on the exam, well, what if he sees a, you know, this big big deer? Like, ah, oh, it's the same story, right? Mm. I would like him to be able to control. Actually, you know, four inches not that <laughs> yeah, yeah. that small. So, um, so I I I completely agree with that. Um, it's it's interesting. So, what is the next step? What's what's the next step uh, after after someone completed HCAP or similar? But there's many many. Yeah. Like, what would be the next step, next exam that, that that someone can take if they want to kind of, you know, progress with their education? Currently, at the moment, there's no further step available in Ireland, ah, uh, unfortunately. So, um, there has I know there has been suggestions mostly of a HCAP two level. So, mm -hmm. if you look at the the UK, for example, or, or near yeah. neighbours. Um, 
they would have what they call the DSE one, DSE two, exactly, an advanced year managers course. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, so they have a number of different levels of courses that they can do. So, so I think for the, the for for some people, HCAP in its own will be enough for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of hunters out there have a desire to learn more and only improve in terms of their management skills and in terms of welfare and so on. So, mm-hmm. um, I think there will be certain hunters out there will want to. Uh, to progress further in terms of their education and so on. And I think that's a real mm-hmm. positive thing. And it just shows, uh, I suppose, the professionalism and the attitude of hunters in terms of um, um, in terms of wanting to do things right and, and obviously animal welfare in terms of managing deer as well, yeah. um, that they're doing the right thing. So I would say there's very much uh, an appetite amongst a certain section of the deer hunting community for mm-hmm. uh, for their education. Yeah. So at the moment, this is only UK. This is only the UK. And what's the name of the of the of the exam then? In the UK yes. exam, yeah. So I mentioned there's the DSE one, DSE two. Is it so, is it like DSC one equivalent of HCAP? Correct. Correct. So Very then, similar. so then, so people who already have a HCAP, they would need to go for DSC two. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yes. And what is it? There's a there's a also uh, I think it's a European certification called Certified Hunter. Mm. Or is is am I am I am I right saying that? Yes, it's not something that's relevant to Ireland, um, okay. um, you know. But it's 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 again, it's for, it's further education. In my own case, for mm-hmm. example, I would have sat the Advanced Deer Managers course in the UK. Uh-huh. So I mentioned you have the DSE one, DSC two, and Advanced yeah. Deer Managers course, and that covered all aspects of developing deer management plans, conservation at a very detailed level, even aging deer right. um, in terms of the teeth and so on. Uh, yeah. So very interesting, you know. Obviously. Yeah. When you're doing an exam and something that you love doing, it's it's it makes it uh, well. Even, that's, even that's, better. that's how I found HCAP. I I enjoyed you know it, it was great because I learned yeah. so much about it. You know? Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was yeah. Great. I think sometimes people, as I said, with the HCAP I've seen, where you know they have an excellent uh, manual, as you would have seen. Um, you know, the manual itself is a fantastic resource mm-hmm. um, for information and. Yep. Uh, People often say to me, God, do I need to know the manual, you know, inside out? It's, it, that's not the case, as, as you know yourself when we have sat the exam. Mm-hmm. The exams are, are, there are 50 questions, mm-hmm. you must get 40 right to pass, mm-hmm. and there are basic, most of them common sense mm-hmm. uh, questions. Uh, but the manual itself, you could probably have two or three different levels of exams from that, because some yeah. of the information is quite detailed. Yeah, yeah. It's, a great, it's a great resource, the manual is a yeah. great resource. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, there's, it's great, you're, you know, the, the picture you're painting is really quite positive. Uh, and especially, I think, uh, the picture of a hunting community mm. that, that, that people are. So y- y- I think you answered my question about the hunters as a conservationist in Ireland, even mm. though there is a no monetary contribution. Uh, how does it work? And I want to ask you about one other thing, uh, which is going on right now. It's, a, it's, it's quite a big thing with Irish Deer Commission. Uh, and this is uh, preventing of poaching and wildlife crime. Mm. Mm. Can you tell us... Uh, how bad is the problem and what you're doing to to address that problem yeah the, i suppose in terms of yeah wildlife crime you know in general um it's been recently stated by um, that you know wildlife crime at a, if we look at it at the european level mm-hmm. you know after uh, drugs firearms and human trafficking it's it's the fourth biggest crime um in really? terms of revenue generation so because oh, we because we, we, we think we think of just deer, but obviously it expands across all types of endangered species and so on. And how the revenue is generated? The, I haven't. I think the numbers I've seen are run into the billions. Uh, yeah, but I'm wondering yeah. how. Like it, it can't be just for sale of venison. 
No, it doesn't say, and it, it covers across trading in protected species in rhino horn, and you know. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it covers gotcha. it covers an aspect. Right. But from an Irish context point mm-hmm. of view, is I suppose the main forms of wildlife crime that we see are deer poaching, which I'll speak a bit more in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see illegal hair coursing. Mm-hmm. We see, you know, um, you know, in terms of 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 killing or you know to of raptors you know we've seen incidents of of seagulls being poisoned you know um and so on um and finching is another common one as well in terms of of, of trapping of 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 live birds um but in terms of a uh, come back to deer poaching i suppose you know we, we've mentioned earlier on is that um deer can be legally called under license under special license from the first of september to the 28th of February, and within that, then there's a male and a female season. Yeah. Obviously, in the case of County Kerry, there's no open season for red deer. Mm-hmm. These are a protected species throughout the entire county. Um, and obviously, hunting down within national parks is also illegal as well, because that's, mm-hmm. that's a matter for, for national parks and wildlife service. But it, deer as well can be called one hour before sunrise uh, and one hour after the official sunset time. But the most common forms of uh, wildlife crime or deer poaching that we see is the use of lamps at night to dazzle deer, confuse the deer. Mm-hmm. The deer is either shot or is set upon by dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, the latter is is a quite a, one of the most barbaric wildlife crimes that you'll see because mm-hmm. when the deer is chased down by the dogs, it's either bludgeoned to death or mm-hmm. has its throat cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 a horrific uh, crime that that's... And it's something, I suppose, deer poaching in general is something that hunters, it detests. You know, if you talk to any hunter and they hear... Mm-hmm. of people illegally killing deer it actually you know makes the blood boil it does mm-hmm. uh, it's an emotive topic so so yeah they're the real main forms i suppose of deer poaching in terms of mm-hmm. at night but also then we see people shooting out a season uh, mm-hmm. which is also a crime we see armed trespass people trespassing on land that they don't have permission to be on mm-hmm. um, and so on so but i suppose in terms of what we've seen in recent years is um on garda shikana national parks and wildlife service uh came together under mm-hmm. what they call Operation Bambi, yeah. uh, very aptly named. Oh, so, uh, so that's that's going on for a number of years. A number of years, and it's been highly successful, it has. Mm-hmm. So I suppose Operation Bambi is, was set up with the purpose of highlighting, investigating incidents of deer poaching. Um, and at the cornerstone of that has been hunters themselves, because um, the vast majority of reports for suspected activity of deer poaching uh, comes from hunters themselves yeah um yeah, by they're the on the ground they're, they're on the ground exactly the ground. yeah um so the rise in the years and as i mentioned it's something that they detest um so i remember speaking to somebody in the uk for example and they were astounded when they heard the majority of reports actually come from hunters <laughs> um because it's something they don't see in the uk um so um so kudos and, and credit to irish hunters for, for that um but I suppose, yeah, in, in, in what we've seen is Operation Bambi has been highly successful. Uh, and we recently held our launch event at the Irish Fly Fishing and Game Shooting Museum in Durham, in County Leash. And um, Inspector Martin Walker, our superintendent, bigger pardon, Martin Walker, uh, was one of our speakers mm-hmm. on, on, on the night. And um, he announced at that event that, as in from September onwards, that on Garda under the direction of an assistant Garda commissioner, mm-hmm. have now looked for um, an inspector from each Garda division um, oh. to be trained in terms of, I suppose, understanding the legislation and understanding the signs and in terms of around wildlife crime and specifically deer poaching as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that is a very positive development because if we look internationally, what works for extremely well is, is wildlife liaison officers. So these are not additional Gardaí, additional uh, members of the police for, of a police force, um, but they're individuals there that are trained up to be specialists in that area. Yeah. So at least if, if, if uh, you know, I suppose a common issue that we face is that if you contact uh, a member of Angara Shikhan and they're not familiar with the legislation, yeah. they don't really know what to do. Um, yeah. And um, and understandably, Angara Shikhan have lots of various directives and issues that they're dealing with on a day-to-day yeah. -day basis. Um, but to have people that are specialized in the area and understand what they're doing, is 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 to be welcomed um, and it is, it is positive what we've seen as well in recent years as well is that you know an increase in the number of detections um, mm -hmm. uh, an increase in the number of prosecutions and rather than just you know looking at the wild effects now it's also been looked at in terms of the various other legislation in terms of the animal health and welfare legislation the criminal justice act so we're looking at you're looking at, for example, is the is there a vehicle being used in committing the crime, yeah, and so on? Because there is a perception amongst hunters that, you know, you know, it's uh, it's 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 uh, there's a high potential gain from the crime, mm -hmm. but a low risk of being caught, yeah, um, you know. So the potential financial rewards are are are, are quite lucrative, um, you know, for these individuals because you know I still don't I still don't see it to be honest. Where is that? That reward, that that monetary reward for poaching a deer. Yeah. So if you t if you take for example a red deer, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's you know again just picking a rough figure, say you, you know if someone was to receive 150 euros per carcass and was to mm -hmm. go out at night and kill 10 of them illegally, uh, and wow. and sell them into the food chain, you know, it's effectively, you right. know, uh, 1500 euros cash. Um, right. Um, so and we we've quite a low. I suppose we have improved the, the traceability in recent years. We're, we're a long way short, you know. Even mm -hmm. if you look at domestic uh, livestock, mm -hmm. um, we have we've excellent traceability. Uh, but in terms of deer, um, yeah. there's a lot of loopholes still there where an individual can can go out and illegally kill deer um, and sell them into the food chain. Mm. Um, and and the issue we have, you know, we've seen examples where a lot of these deer are killed at night left in the countryside overnight and collected during daylight hours to, to yeah. avoid suspicion. Yeah. And obviously when, as like any carcass that's left in the countryside overnight, it's open to be fed on, you know, vermin. Yeah. Um, and then to think that that meat then is entering the food chain, you know, and, and, you know, impacting the reputation of what is a fantastic product and a fantastic meat. Oh yeah. Um, because, you know, they are the overwhelming majority of hunters that do sell venison and it's, it's the minority the mm -hmm. majority consume for their own exactly. their own needs um is um you know so there is a legitimate reason to sell venison that yeah. has been legally shot yeah but when you mix illegal venison in that potentially um, could impact on human health um mm -hmm. it's, it's it's a different scenario listen um so so yeah question i have about the why so uh, about the crime wildlife crime so how as the wildlife crime stands at the moment in in Ireland, does that pose any danger for hunters mm. at the moment do you know about any cases because obviously you know sometimes these are gangs organized gangs of people and so on so is it is it going on kind of silently at night or and the reason i'm asking that because i know from you know other countries that sometimes there were there were concerns over fly fishermen to fish certain stretches of the rivers because that's a stretch of the river that is known that is being poached and there are like you know shady 
characters with firearms there so you don't go fish fish there is is that is that the case for hunters in, at the moment in ireland i i, I would say um you know i suppose that this form of crime typically takes place at night when most people are tucked up in the beds you know okay. they're, they're operating under the hours of darkness um so i suppose from that aspect they generally don't come into contact with, with mm -hmm. genuine hunters um or legitimate yeah. hunters um it does happen from time to time that they do they do come into contact but the advice we'd always give is mm -hmm. never approach somebody um yeah. uh, is just take note of the details and contact your local guard station or and now if on the guard station you have a, actually somebody dedicated to that you have a person to contact correct which then makes things so much easier, much easier so i would say you know in with superintendent martin walker's uh, speech um, at our event um he referenced to a number of scenarios where landowners have you know confronted these criminals on the land and have been assaulted mm -hmm. um so i think there's a real risk to people in rural communities i think there's a real risk in the sense of that legitimate uh, deer stalkers while, while calling deer you know, safety is a huge aspect. And I mm -hmm. already mentioned the welfare of the animal is, mm -hmm. is, at this, is at the center of this, is that the one thing you're always looking to do is to ensure, you know, when culling animals, that there's a safe backdrop. Yep. If you have somebody discharging a firearm in a reckless manner at night mm -hmm. um, <laughs> is, um, and they're not aware of what the backdrop is, it, yeah. it, 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 it puts people's lives at risk. Yeah. And we've seen incidences in different parts of the country where homes have been struck or vehicles have been struck yeah. And we regularly see uh, livestock that are shot mm -hmm. um, <laughs> at night, um, regularly. Um, and I think if you speak to anybody in, in the various knackery yards that, um, that, that deal with uh, animal carcasses, they'll tell you they regularly see animals that have been shot um, at night by, by these criminals. Um, hmm. So it's, uh, there's a real risk there. Um, I suppose what we see, again, in, in, in internationally is where you have deer poaching, and wildlife crime, you'll also see an increase in general crime in that area. Ah, um, yeah. So, um, so it has, you know, because some people might say, "Look, God, it's just deer. It's just mm -hmm. deer. I want, I want them culled, um, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't care how." But they actually, by you know, so maybe somebody inadvertently turning mm -hmm. a blind eye to that crime, yeah, they're actually putting their neighbors, their livestock themselves at risk. risk, and it actually makes the management of deer far more difficult. You know, because if deer, um, I suppose deer have three main needs in life. First of all, they want food, mm -hmm. they want shelter, and they want peace and quiet. Mm -hmm. And if any of those are taken away or disturbed, deer will move and they will yeah. move into new areas. So if you have an area where, you know, deer are being constantly, uh, you know, dazzled at night with a lamp or chased by dogs, they will just leave the area and move on to a new area. Eventually they'll move back when, when, when the scenario, it doesn't move, the yeah. it doesn't deal with the problem. But what it does, it makes the, the, the management of deer far more difficult because the deer become very uh, skittish. You know, they're mm -hmm. very, if you're looking at deer in areas where there's a lot of wildlife crime, the deer are very jumpy. You know, they're very yeah. hard to get, difficult to get near. Um, and it's, it's, it's difficult to, to, to manage them um, as opposed to where proper uh, best practice deer management takes place is mm -hmm. that it's selective, it's gradual. It's done legally, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. It's done with regard for safety and welfare. Yeah. Um, so, so there's huge risks from uh, this. You know, we're, we're you know, we'd always urge uh, landowners to ensure that deer are only called legally and in the legal manner. Yeah. And you know, if if they're frustrated in the field, they have a problem with deer, just talk to the local hunter. Um, exactly. Um, and and you know, 
they they gladly they will gladly help you uh, gladly help them out yeah yeah, yeah. listen uh well just to 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 finish it off uh one last practical question mm. so practical question for 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 hunters out there if i'm hunting on the land that i have permission right and shot the deer and a deer runs and goes outside of the boundary of the land that I have a permission to hunt, mm. right? And might or might not expire somewhere else. What to do in that case? Mm. Because if you just go go after it, you're trespassing. Correct, correct, okay? yeah. So, so what should hunter do in that case? Yeah, I'm smiling when you're asking that question because mm. you may recall from your hedge cap exam that mm. is one of the the questions contained mm. in mm. the in the exam, if my memory recalls. Uh, well, correct. yes, but the but the yeah. answer is you know the answer is not practical and it was there was many like i'm telling so so there was also that statement uh but by <laughs> liam often said like i'm telling you what the law is not what practically do yeah okay so i'm so i'm asking you like what to do practically yeah. because according to the law and let's check if i if i got it right the deer now belongs to a person on which land it expired mm. and you don't have a permission to go there right but that's that's not necessarily something right to do, just to leave that deer there to rot. Okay? Yes, correct. And you not always are able to, you know, identify who that person is, who owns the land, or maybe that mm. it's a chill land and so on. So, so practically, what to do in that case? Yeah. I, I'm going to ask you from the law's point of view, if you don't yeah. mind, but so, because I think you, you mentioned when, when deer are alive, mm -hmm. they're not owned by anybody. Yes. When deer are dead, it's the person that is either killed the animal or on on the property of the person that 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 mm -hmm. the animal is dead on but um or should i say the person that owns the sporting rights as well mm -hmm. um but you know so so from a legal point of view obviously you can't just trespass on somebody's land i know mm -hmm. from a, a welfare point of view mm -hmm. and an ethical point of view you're trying to recover an animal that's either dead or injured mm -hmm. um and thankfully first of all i suppose before you even get to that situation mm -hmm. you obviously when you're when, when you're culling deer you want to ensure the animal is culled humanely and efficiently mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, it doesn't have to run, but it does happen very occasionally mm -hmm. um, um, that, that a deer may not be killed immediately and it runs a distance. Um, mm -hmm. But from, all I can say from a legal point of view mm -hmm. is that obviously you need to get the, the, the owner, landowner's permission mm -hmm. uh, before uh, pursuing the animal. Um, and I don't think any hunter would be in a scenario where they sort of say, look, I'm not going to answer that land. I'm going to leave the deer there. I think everyone would make an effort to mm -hmm. track down the landowner and so on. Mm -hmm. um, the risk with it and the unintended consequence of mm -hmm. you doing the opposite of maybe going onto the land is that where the scenario you've described is a legitimate, genuine reason, mm -hmm. you could have individuals would use that as an excuse, maybe possibly to well, be on, exactly. on land for other reasons. You know, yeah. you uh, shot that deer on that land. Yeah, rather, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same. Uh, it's the same. You know, if people come across deer have been involved in a road traffic accident, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the, the law states the animal can be dispatched by legal means, mm -hmm. um, but you also must notify uh, a conservation ranger. And yes. that you've done that because again it it, it it creates a cover for someone to sort of say you know oh, yeah, that maybe, maybe maybe necessarily the deer wasn't involved in an accident mm -hmm. and the shot for other reasons but again mm -hmm. i don't think any of this kind of stuff applies to, to mm -hmm. the overwhelming majority of hunters yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway so after the best way to avoid that scenario is like know who owns the land around the land that you have a permission to 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 shoot yeah. up front to, to be at least be able to contact them or use an anchoring shot so the animal 
is, 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 is on the spot, dies yeah. on the spot rather than. What, what, what I would add to that as well is that um, is that you know deer have a range that they operate in, so mm-hmm. they don't operate in X field mm-hmm. and not that field. They operate mm-hmm. over a certain area. And to properly manage deer in an area, you need to be able to manage the range of the deer. Mm-hmm. And that may encompass several landowners mm-hmm. uh, within that area. It may include forestry, it may include mountain. Mm-hmm. So it's important that you have, that you work with landowners in the area yeah. to manage the, because as I said, if you're, if you're, if you're tied to just a specific field, yes, um, it's very difficult to say you can manage deer in that one field or the one, a number of fields. Exactly. Damien, so I have to ask you that question and it, it, this is really nicely ties, uh, and I think it's really nicely going to conclude that episode of the podcast. So on one hand, you're saying Irish Deer Commission kind of works to develop local plans for manage, managing deer, right? And that thing that you just said, do you think that the plan, that the properly developed plan for managing deer should also include access to the land to call deer or to hunt deer? Because with the absence of that, you inevitably ending up with a scenario where I have access to this field and the other guy have access to this field. Mm. And then that makes it so much more difficult, like you just said. So do you think that the that the uh, kind of all-encompassing plan for managing deer should also not only include the call, call quotas, but also regulate somehow access to the land where you can hunt deer. Yeah, I think in terms of access to land is, first of all, it's the landowner's right to decide who can come onto the land yeah. or not come onto the land. But then and if they're part of the scheme, if they're make, part that, of the that, that's, scheme. that's why it's important to have everybody joined up thinking, you know, and working together, landowners, hunters, and so on, because that is the case. I should preface to say, I know we discussed at some length in terms about deer management groups and so mm-hmm. on, you know, and the reality is that, you know, we're very far away from that in Ireland, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not something we're saying in the Irish Deer Commission that will happen next year or the year after, that's that's an, a, a space that we need to get to and we want to get to mm-hmm. you know so it's not i'd want people to think that next year oh god there's going to be local deer management groups or something like that mm-hmm. um, hopefully well that's ideal yeah, right yeah and this is not unique if you look at the irish deer management form that i mentioned mm-hmm. earlier on as well you know that is an aspiration of the irish deer management form which mm-hmm. represents all stakeholders um so it's uh so yeah it's something that we're very far away there's there's huge issues facing deer mm-hmm. at the moment in terms of our management or conservation mm-hmm. um but that we need to address before we even get anywhere near right. deer management groups you know but it is um it is it is an area we go but the one thing i would just sort of say is that um i think in terms of deer management in ireland it's important that any statements or decisions that we make about the management are not arbitrary seats of the pants are results of political pressure you know that they must be based on factual data yeah um you know and we really need to get away from uh using them as a as, as a political football um, um yeah. in terms of you that's know not, that's, that's and, counterproductive yeah right. and that's not for a moment just guarding anyone's views or or, or concerns that they have mm-hmm. um and i said they are uh you know they are farmers landowners foresters that have legitimate concerns that have legitimate issues and we must address those issues as well and support those people um, but it is important as i said that we base any decisions on management, not as a result of pressure. Uh, it has to come on factual data. Absolutely. So uh, for anyone who wants to get involved and, and help with that fantastic work, how to get involved, how to get in touch and, and what they should do? Very simple. Uh, just go on to our website, irishdeercommission.ie. 
and just click on the membership tab and you can apply for for, for membership there um, and through that. It's very cost effective. We're looking to promote younger people coming into the uh, association and into into DM management and the, I suppose the next generation of, of, of mm -hmm. DM managers. So our junior membership is just 10 euros per year. We have an ordinary membership for adults um, is 20 euros and a family membership for 25 euros per year. So it's a, it's a very uh, small fee to join. Uh, it's voluntary work. It's something that we all give up selfishly for, for, for the betterment of, of deer and, and what we believe in. And then when people are involved, they can also take take action and take part on the like local actions and, and be informed through the newsletter or anything correct like that about correct yes on. yes communication is is is, is key so it's yeah. not going to be only like this 15 or 10 euro or, or 35 euro it's 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 more behind that that absolutely there's many benefits to being a member in terms of events in terms of information and also having an input in terms of because the views of the association ultimately the views of the members um, so, you know, for people that have a concern or an issue in terms of a particular area, and if we're speaking to one of the state agencies or one of the stakeholder groups, uh, we can feed back in that member's feedback. Um, obviously, you can never take, you have to take a, a general consensus because mm -hmm. there will be different views, but, you know, just to take the general consensus of, of our membership. Yes. Damien, thank you very much for doing this. It's a great organization. It's a, it's a pleasure uh, to have you here and I hope we get, uh, get more members uh, to the Irish Deer Commission through that COSAT. Thank you very much. Thank you. Great to talk to you. And that was another episode of Tommy Seldor's podcast, a special edition uh, deer season opener. Don't forget uh, to email info at irishdeercommission.ie to uh, make sure you have a place in a root walk in Killarney National Park. And uh, other than that, if you enjoyed the podcast and you haven't subscribed yet, um, then I think you should fix that and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other platform when you're aggregating your podcast. Also, follow us on Twitter at Outdoors Podcast and Facebook and Instagram at Tommy's Outdoors. So until the next time, bye bye.